0: Good morning, once again, it is a great blessing to gather in the name of the Lord today, continuing our study in the book of Ephesians. Last week ended with talking about God working in us and through us. And how God is above all things and has a perfect plan as he's working through all the things that are happening in the world. And and that God is in complete control over those things and, and calls us to be part of it. And now today, we begin to look at how he has called us to be part of the work. Part of this calling. Remember, we've talked about there's a high calling, Uh, On the church, and that calling is to maintain unity, and that calling is to be a part of what God is doing. And so, here, verse 7, of course, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We're going to spend a good bit of time here in this single verse this morning before moving on, but there's so much to unpack here. There's so many great things that we get to experience here throughout really Ephesians. On the, the body and the church, the, the life of the church and how God has done this amazing work of building the church and, and that we are his workmanship and, and the church is his workmanship. And he has a perfect and beautiful plan for the church and a high calling on the church. We've been studying that for several weeks now of the body of Christ and the the life of the body of Christ. And that's so much of what we get to really dive into uh, today and the coming weeks as well in looking at this this church body life and living this life together. Uh, And so we start, it says, but to each one. So we go back, there's a connection word here of that but. And so what do we see? We see how God is above all. In the previous verses, God is above all, and he's working through all and in you all. God being above all things, and now he includes us, he gives us opportunity. So it's not just God being above all and is is playing the chess pieces of the people. It's not just God being above all and we're just a bunch of robots, right? We know he's given us free will. And now, verse 7, says, but... To each of us, he has given us opportunity. To each of the the members of the body of Christ, not just the members of Cornerstone Church, which we don't even have formal membership, right? But to each of the members of the body of Christ, the people who have put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ that have a relationship with him and are walking with him, to each one of you, if you would say, that's me, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then this, you're part of it. You are a member of the body of Christ and he's entrusted something very valuable to each one of us as part of the body of Christ. He is including us in his perfect plan. As he is above all, also he includes you. He is in all and he is working through all. He's working in our lives and he includes us to be part of his perfect plan. He's working through all things and he's working in us, remembering that we are his workmanship. We are involved. And it's not, you know, when we talk about his workmanship and we've talked about that many times, there's such a centralized focus on that verse 2.10 in Ephesians. And when we think about that, we're not just talking about this, the, the poema, the glorious work of art. It's not a piece of art that hangs on the wall and you just get to look at it. Sometimes we think of that, oh, we are his workmanship. I am his workmanship. I am his glorious work of art. And we're like, I'm just going to hang on the wall over here. Everybody look and see what I've got to offer. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it wonderful? This workmanship, it includes work. He's called us to be part of his work. And so we can, really what we get to see is that we are a living work of art. And this theme of VBS this year is based right out of that verse, and the kids this week are going to be unpacking that better than I've been able to unpack it to you guys. I mean, they got five days of studying Ephesians 2.10. We're going to make Bible scholars out of these kids, you know? But that reality is that we are a living work of art, not just a piece of art that's hanging on a wall, with a high calling. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have a high calling, and that calling is to maintain unity that has been established by the blood of Christ that we've been studying all about, and that calling is to be a part of what God is doing and walking in his will and and, and what he's calling us to do. So how? How do we get to be a part of what God is doing? grace. That's what he says here. But to each one of us, grace was given. Grace changes us, right? And we have studied so much about grace. In fact, Paul's favorite word is grace. And I think Paul's favorite word is grace because he realizes who he was apart from Christ. And he realizes he has this deep understanding of the great grace of God because of how messed up he was. And I think there's many, we can, we can relate, like yes, dead in our trespasses and sin, amen. But made alive in Christ, that is the grace of God, and and Paul's favorite word is grace. In the the New Testament, the word grace, or this word for grace, charis, it appears 156 times. 110 of those are from Paul. So I think Paul is into grace, He's, and, and, and Paul is so much this founding uh, you know, father of the church, in a sense, in that he's writing so many letters, he's so invested in ministering to the early church, and what is he trying to teach the church? Grace. Grace. And we recognize recognized that, that grace changes us, right? And we've talked much about that. We are made alive in Christ by the grace of God, out of the riches of his grace, the glory of his grace, of his goodness. It's amazing the work that he's done by his grace to change us. But now Paul introduces us to a new idea of grace, an addition. And this is how amazing the grace of God is. It doesn't just change us, but also gives us opportunity. It gives us opportunity to be part of the work that God is doing. It changes us and it gives us opportunity to give to one another. Paul is always teaching us about this idea of undeserved favor. And we are desperately, as people, as individuals, as sinners, we are desperately in need of grace. And we have a great responsibility with the grace that has been given. To us, a high calling. Grace is where gifts come from. It's the outpouring of the grace of God. And what it says here is that, it, that it is according it was, it was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, again, we are pointed toward God's economy when we're talking about the measure of Christ's gift, and we've talked much about that throughout Ephesians, and the riches of his grace, and the riches of his glory, and his mercy, and how rich God is, and how able God is, how glorious God is, how great his grace is, but now we're introduced as well to this this measure of grace, the measure of Christ's gift, and he's given to each one a measure, a measure out of his goodness, out of his grace, out of his abundant grace, he's given a measure to each member of the body of Christ. And what is Christ's gift? Well, first of all, Christ's gift is his life. He gave himself, he died on the cross. His gift is grace that reminds us again of the riches of his grace. Sometimes we'll get caught up in the idea of the gifts and the signs and the wonders. We love signs and wonders. People for many generations, for thousands of years, have loved signs and wonders. They chased Jesus down for more signs and wonders after he fed them, fed the 5,000. Then they chased him down. We want more food. We want more miracles. And still, people are constantly, we still are constantly chasing Jesus down for signs and wonders, but he's given us grace. And what does Paul write? In Corinthians, to the church of Corinth, he says, I pleaded with the Lord. Deliver me. He had this thorn in the flesh. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. My grace is sufficient. So what is the gift? Jesus gave the gift of himself. The grace that he's bestowed on us is so that we then likewise can give the gift of ourselves. As the church, that's the high calling, to give of ourselves. And that may look different at different times. And he has given us gifts and abilities to work out to share with one another. Mike just shared in announcements, if you have the ability, and the Lord would put it on your heart, to bless one of these kids and sponsor them to go on the youth retreat, that's giving of yourself. That's grace. You are imparting grace to a youth in the church. It's so beautiful, the workmanship of God. He's got it all figured out, guys. And his grace is sufficient for us to have it all figured out. He has provided everything that the body needs by his grace. Grace is so that we can function in harmony with one another. Grace is so that we can give to one another, give of ourselves, and and gifts... Giving of gifts is a manifestation of the grace of God. And again, we have to remember this. Throughout this entire passage, throughout the Bible, Jesus is the centerpiece. And what are these gifts about? They are about Jesus. This is about Christ's gift, which was his life. The outpouring of grace. Grace. And gifts are given so that we may share with one another. We have this mentality, of course, when we are given any sort of gift, that that is mine. One of the first words that a child learns is mine. And we're uh, sometimes a bunch of toddlers in the church saying, mine. And fighting for the things that we've been given. And holding on to the things that we have been given. But they are that we would share with one another. That's what the gifts are for. And these gifts are not of ourselves. It's not to glorify us in any way. If gifts would glorify us, then you know what? We can mark it off. That's not a gift. But to glorify Jesus. These gifts are of the marvelous traits and abilities of Christ because they are all about Jesus, his character, his ability, and that is Christ in us. That's what we get to give to each other. We need grace for each other. We need to give grace. Listen, we've talked a lot about the last couple weeks, division in the church, arguments and differences in the church. Differences of doctrine, of understanding, of philosophy, differences between people, just arguing because people are people. We're all sinners, so we're going to disagree on things. And what we need is grace for each other. We have to be gracious toward each other, not withholding the grace of God. And these gifts should glorify Jesus. It should not glorify the individual. And there's, listen, there's a lot of grace that is needed to take the focus off of ourselves and glorify Christ. And also, we have to remember that grace and gifts, they go hand in hand. When we understand God's grace, we will be more diligent in developing and using our gifts to glorify the Lord and to benefit the body of Christ. That's what we're here for. Maybe some of you guys are coming and you're like, I just like sitting and listening. I just come to church to check the church box. We are here to glorify Jesus Christ and to benefit the body of Christ around us. Through giving grace. That's how we do it. There's no other, like in the Bible, there's not all these things. Like this is how we give to each other. We give grace. And then grace kind of works everything else out. And this is all to be done with humility. Glorifying Christ is putting him first. He must increase and I must decrease. The perspective of John the Baptist who had a thriving ministry that ultimately John the Baptist, in his thriving ministry, all these followers, and then what's happening? Oh, no, Jesus is taking followers away from John the Baptist. John's like, amen, they need to follow Jesus. He must increase, I must decrease. I I was a forerunner. I prepared the way, that's all I was called to. And so he said... He must increase, I must decrease. Allow Christ to be glorified. But gifts without grace lack humility. Gifts without grace can be very harsh, can be abrasive, can be presumptuous in their effect on others. Sometimes we think, I've got a gift and I'm going to ram it down your throat. Oh, hold on a minute. Where's the grace? These things need to go hand in hand. Paul says it here. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. It is one and the same. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know the passage, I'm sure. It says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now that is a Bible study for another day right there. But for our purposes, what this gives us a picture of is love being essential in the body of Christ, and that love is humble. Love puts others first, and love is full of grace. This week, as I said, Pastor Mark and I went down to Virginia to visit with EJ and Callan, and we had a joke as we're getting in the car. You know how the car, the seatbelt alarmed right? And it's like, it's some, some cars will tell you, like, fasten your seatbelt, and there's a thing flashing on the dashboard in front of you. Now, that is a, a gift that that car has to give, right? It's, it's a pretty impressive piece of technology, and you're sitting in a seat, and it's sensing that you're not buckling your seatbelt. Pay attention. Buckle up. And it's a good thing to say, hey, be safe. Buckle up. It's the law, and it will save your life, potentially. Okay, great. But it's super annoying when it's like, bing, 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 like, stop, I'll get to it, hold on a second. That's a picture of a gift without grace. There's no grace, it's a legalistic car. (laughs) That's it, you sit in the seat and it's going to tell you, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up, I heard you. Where's the grace? We need grace and love toward one another for our gifts to be received effectively. Or like Paul says, we are a sounding brass, a clanging cymbal, a seatbelt alarm. Do we wanna be that? that lacks grace, that lacks humility, that lacks love. And we think sometimes, I've got it and I'm going to preach it. I'm gonna share it. I'm gonna give this gift and everybody's gonna love it. Not without grace. We need grace. And the more gifts that we have to share, the more grace we need. And the more accountability there is to the grace of God. No one has achieved or earned the spiritual gifts. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his gift, which is that he gave his life. He gave grace. As members of the body of Christ, one collective body, the collective body of Christ, not just our church, but as members of the body of Christ who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you all have gifts to share. And you may not believe it, you may not know it, but you all, every one of us, has a gift to give. Therefore, we have grace. We've been given grace and we are to give that grace. You've heard me say it before. When it comes to giving of yourself or giving of your time, your effort, your gifts, don't rob the body of the grace of God. You may be withholding the grace of God from the body of Christ. We have a high calling, a great responsibility, but I will say this as well. Don't abuse the body by pouring out your gifts without grace. They must go hand in hand. We have a part to play in God's workmanship. That workmanship being this glorious work of art as individuals, as the church, To each one of us, grace was given, it says. Not some of us, each one of us. Not just the pastors or the elders or the the leaders or the worship leaders or the, the life safety team or the children's ministry workers. Not just them, you all, every one of us, has gifts to give. To each one, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We all have something to give this is so important to maintaining the unity of the body of Christ. You want unity? Keep giving. And I'm not, I'm, listen, there's giving, there's, you could give money if you have the ability to give money. You can give of your time, you can give of your ability, your effort, all, there's so many things that you could give of, but grace has been given to you. So there is opportunity and there is a responsibility. Maintaining the unity of body, of the body is giving to one another, giving grace, giving gifts with grace, and building up the body of Christ. So with that, I wanna share some special vision with you guys today for our church, Cornerstone Church, a vision that we've been praying through and considering for quite some time that we believe will help us better fulfill this as a church. Ephesians 4, 7. Giving of ourselves, being engaged in the body of Christ. And that is what we are calling built life groups. And I'm going to share with you just the vision. Spend some time. There's a little bit of a family meeting this morning. If you're new or visiting, you get to be part of the family very quickly. Amen. But built life groups connect us to community As God purposed, we grow together by being together. Building up in love together, built is the acronym, that is our mission. The body of Christ is strengthened as we share with one another the grace God has given to each of us. That's our vision. That's the vision statement. And we plan to fulfill that vision of built life groups in our church through community, through growing together, and through connecting to the body of Christ. We're not just trying to get you guys to, hey, sign up to serve, sign up to serve, do this, do that, do the other thing. We want you to belong. Every one of us has been given grace, and every one of us has grace to give, and we wanna give greater opportunity for you to give of that grace, to share with the body of Christ the grace that you've been given to build one another up in the Lord. So in the coming weeks, we are gonna roll out registration for this. The official registration start date will be August 21st. But we're doing this slowly and methodically. And we wanna share with you the heart and the vision, and we're gonna to continue to share with you the heart and the vision. And through the rest of, of chapter four here, we're gonna hear more of just this heart and vision of being the body together, connecting with each other, engaging in the body of Christ. There's so much to be said of engaging in the body of Christ. That is God's workmanship, that unity. And we plan to fulfill that unity by being together more. So we're gonna have church every day of the week. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, actually this week, (laughs) we have VBS, (laughs) But listen, we're going to roll this out, this registration for these groups, and we're going to actually begin the groups on the, week, uh, the second week of October. And we believe that each and every one has an opportunity to grow and connect. And maybe you're new here, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, maybe you've been coming for a few months, and you're like, okay, I showed up, I, I got to meet the welcome team, and they're, they're awesome, and they're doing a great job, but what next? And, and I will admit to you, I've not been okay with just telling people, well, what's next is you can wait six months and be part of the church here in the body and then fill out a ministry application and then we'll get you plugged into ministry. How many of you guys have heard that? Right? You can raise your hand, it's fine. And that's something that we do, and there's nothing wrong with that, that we, hey, we want to get you plugged into ministry, but we want to get to know you first, and you get to know us first. That's our heart. But how are we getting to know you? We believe that we will get to know you, and you will get to know us greater in a greater way through this vision, building up in love together. In order to do that, we've got to be Together. And so I strongly urge you to get involved in one of these groups as they open up for registration in the coming weeks, and we're going to be available to help you do that. We're going to have some people that are going to be available to help when we open that up in August, and we're going to work through those things with you, helping you get connected to a group. Right now, we're working on establishing those groups. We're looking at about 20 groups that will hopefully be starting uh, in October this year. And we're excited about this. I'm very passionate about this personally, as as is our whole uh, pastor and elder team. We've been talking about and praying about for several months what this is all gonna look like. And we're committed to it. We're so committed that I'm gonna share some big news with you guys. We're gonna dedicate our Wednesday night service to Built Life Group meetings. Our plan is to take the larger Wednesday night gathering and scatter it. Like the early church in the book of Acts, the church was scattered into homes. They were scattered through persecution. We're not, thankfully, praise the Lord. But that's our goal that we might scatter the church and we might see greater growth in each of our lives and each of our families through these opportunities. An important note, I want to say, we are not ending or canceling Wednesday night services. They're just gonna look different, okay? This is not like, oh, Oh. we don't have church on Wednesday anymore. Well, we have church. (laughs) We have many church meetings happening. And they may not all be on Wednesday night, but we are encouraging and opening that night for most of them to take place, we're excited, we're, we're passionate about this and you could connect with after service, you have questions, that's great, that's wonderful. Talk to one of the pastors, one of the elders who are all very excited about what the Lord is doing in this step of faith. We believe that as we take this step of faith and follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we will see much fruit in each of your lives. We could look at our Wednesday night and say, it's, it's a significant group, 100 or so people. And that's fruitful, amen, it is. But we believe that the spirit is moving and that God is calling us to take this step of faith so that we might see greater fruit. And that through this, we would see more people engaged in the life of the church, the body of Christ, and sharing of the gifts that God has given with one another, pouring out the grace of God. And you know what? As we pour out the grace of God to each other, that gets more and more contagious. And I believe that as we sang this morning, we pray to the God of revival. I believe it can take place in our community, in our neighborhoods. And this is the great step of faith that we believe God is moving us in. So this is our vision for Built Life Groups as a church to work out what the scripture calls us to. Grace is given to each of us to be shared with the body of Christ through gifts. Built Life Groups gives us the opportunity to share these gifts and to share God's grace. We believe in a greater way. So now we have to move on to verse eight. But please, talk to us. Ask questions after service. We have people available that, you know, our elders and pastors would love to talk with you more and and just encourage you as we, we prepare for this in the coming weeks. And that, sorry, that change on Wednesday night will not start until October when we finish the book of Genesis and then we make this shift um, and also, we're going to continue a Through the Bible study that will be a video produced and, and shared with you all uh, that we're still going through the Bible in a midweek type of thing. So you can watch that. You know, maybe you can't sleep at night. You get to listen to one of the pastors or elders teach, and that'll help put you to sleep. I see you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Verse 8, we continue and, and this is Paul giving this assurance and this example of this is how God has poured out the grace and these gifts to men. Verse eight says, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. And we'll get into verse nine in a moment. But th- this is an assurance of these gifts, really an example of th- this is what's happened. And it's a quote of Psalm 68, 18, this, the same words here, he's, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Uh, again, gifts without grace are undesirable. The church needs both. And so Jesus poured out his life and ascended to heaven to make way for these gifts, to make way for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He talks so much about that. I'm, I've gotta go away. I've got to leave so that there can be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that you could receive this power. Jesus said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This giving came through, as it's speaking of, the ascension of Christ. Evidence that he has triumphed. And it's through the triumph of Jesus his resurrection, his ascension that made way for Pentecost. It made way for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and interestingly enough, that, that Psalm 68.18 is a verse that the Jews would often quote or use in the midst of their celebration of Pentecost. Recognizing that Christ, now we recognize Christ to be the Messiah, who has ascended and made way. But Paul paints this picture here that we get to see. As he quotes this, he's saying, look, here's a fulfillment. The fulfillment is Jesus, a picture here of a victorious king who has overthrown his foes, ascended to the mountains, returning triumphantly to his city and has the spoils of war and then bestows lavish gifts on his loyal followers. That's the picture of Christ. We keep that in mind, and this is about Jesus. This is all about Jesus, and it's all about his ascension. And now there's this this parenthesis here that Paul brings something further into this. Now this... He ascended, and what he's saying, what does that mean, right? What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also he who has ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Paul gives us some explanation, but an interesting explanation at that, a little bit of a topic of debate here. Uh, there's different opinions on this verse specifically and what is Paul exactly talking about? That Christ descended to Hades after the cross and preaches to those who died in faith in ages past and then uh, he, as he rises, he leads them into heaven. This being a reference to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19, Peter talks of that. More likely though, Paul's not talking about that. Paul is talking about Jesus. It's more about the person of Jesus than it is about the place. Was it Hades? And was it Abraham's bosom? And, and what, what are we talking about here? What we're talking about is that Jesus, he's saying, descended. And what is he talking about in the ascension? From earth to heaven. So in order to get a picture of who we're talking about and what we're talking about, we're seeing Jesus who descended from heaven to earth. Who came in the form of man, as Paul writes in Philippians, and did not consider it robbery to be equal with man, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and humbling himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross, Philippians chapter two. And likely what Paul is expressing to the church here is that we're talking about the ascension of Christ. We're talking specifically about Christ. Before this, As it says, when he's quoting Psalm 68, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, if you're just reading that Psalm 68, 18, and you don't have an understanding of Christ, you need that explained. And so that's what Paul's doing. Who is this talking about? Who is he? What does it mean that he ascended? What does it mean? That he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He he who descended, that's the emphasis, that's the focus of these two verses here. It is about he. And he who descended is also he who ascended. It's Jesus. They already have the, the, the testimony, the eyewitness testimony of Jesus who ascended. He's saying it's the same guy. Focus here being on the ascension from earth to heaven bringing back the fact that Christ first descended from heaven to earth. It's about Jesus. The emphasis is put on the person of Jesus and not the place. And further, he says it is to fill all things. Speaking of the one, Jesus is the focus and his glorification is the emphasis. He ascended Far above. Again, the ascension is the focus here in the outpouring of these gifts. But he's just explaining who this is. It's all about Jesus. And he ascended far above being the dwelling place of God, being the place that he came from, being the heavenly places that we began the book of Ephesians talking about. The spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Pointing us again to the height and the depth and the width of the love of Christ. And his ascension, it filled all, it fulfilled all things. He ascended to the dwelling place of God outside of time and space, truly identifying now the omnipresence of Christ. No longer under the limitations of the human body, but Christ is the focus, and his glorification is the emphasis. And as we work to share with one another, remember that Christ is the focus, his glorification is the emphasis. That's what we're all about. That's what we need to be all about and the outpouring of the grace of God in our lives and those gifts to one another should appoint people to Jesus. To glorifying him and walking with him. So as we prepare ourselves, let's prepare ourselves for, for built life groups. Let's prepare ourselves to engage with one another in the body to give of the grace of God to glorify Jesus Christ. Not ourselves, but to glorify Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for the gift of the fellowship that we have. We thank you for the gift of your Son, We thank you for the body that you have built up. And we pray that you would strengthen us in fellowship. In the doctrine and breaking of bread and in prayer. To draw closer to you and, and to one another and to see you glorified in that as we give of ourselves for the glory of your name. Would you fill us now, Father, with your Holy Spirit? Move in this place. Draw us closer to you. Maybe you're here today, and we're talking about this body of Christ, the, the, the church body and church life, and we even have a little bit of a family meeting today and sharing this vision, and you're, maybe you're confused or you're wondering... What's wrong with these people? I don't know. We love Jesus. And we know that Jesus first loved us. And I invite you to, to receive him as your savior today. You too could be part of the body of Christ, the savior of the world. You get all that goes within. Fellowship with God. grace of God poured out in us and through us if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ would you give your life to him today he loves you so much that he died for you and he calls each one of us to repentance so if you'd like to today receive Jesus as your savior confess that you're a sinner we all need to recognize that we are sinners and we fall short of the glory of God and then you confess that you believe in him so if you'd like to do that today I'm going to lead you in a prayer a simple prayer of a confession of faith in Jesus Christ say dear Jesus I confess that I'm a sinner. And I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God who died on the cross and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. I want to put my trust in you today and invite you into my life be my Lord in Jesus name Amen